everyone, and welcome to Alopecia's Audacity podcast, proudly hosted by the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation. I'm Sarah Teske. I'm Crystal Malcolm. And I'm Lauren Harrison. We're here to offer you a breath of fresh air from those without hair. Now listen, alopecia isn't easy, but we're going to challenge its audacity through our candid conversations, letting hair loss know that it cannot stop us from living our best life. We're here to empower, educate, and inspire you so that you leave us feeling confident knowing that you can be bald, bold, and free, not only on your own, but when you're surrounded by others. On behalf of Canadians who have been diagnosed with alopecia areata, CANF promotes awareness, education, raises funds for research, and so much more for those affected by this autoimmune disease. You can find CANF on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at CANF. That is C-A-N-A-A-F. And learn more about our organization at CANF.org. On our homepage, you can subscribe to receive our monthly emails, and we'll send you updates on our latest episodes, as well as other alopecia news and event updates. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Alopecia's Audacity. Woohoo! <laughs> Today on the podcast, we're talking about how to be true to who you are. Everyone is different, so by default, there really is no one way or right way to be you. And if you're going through hair loss, it's very possible that you might not recognize this new you or feel like yourself anymore. So how do you find yourself again? As someone who started losing her hair at four years old and made her own way to becoming an alopecia advocate and mentor, Alison Mann is here to talk to us about how she stays true to herself by listening to her heart and embracing her alopecia. Alison is a licensed psychotherapist who specializes in body image and anxiety. She also founded her business, Aid by Ali, which provides mental health resources specifically for people with hair loss. She created the Hair Loss Diary, offers mental health coaching, and much more. She's been creating content about alopecia since she was in high school and is passionate about mentoring younger girls with alopecia. Yay, Allison, we're so glad that you're here. We've been really, really looking forward to this conversation with you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with everyone. Yeah, okay, so first off, just tell us a little bit about you. Who's Allison? You know, where does she come from? Why is she so awesome? <laughs> just give us a little bit of a rundown here. Sure. Um, so I grew up in New Jersey my whole life. Um, I'm currently still living in New Jersey. I lived in New York for a time. I began my alopecia journey at age four, like you mentioned, um, and have been completely bald by the age of six. So I went from kind of the areata to universalis stage and have been there ever since. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been rocking it bald for almost two decades now. <laughs> That's amazing. You're totally rocking it. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> Absolutely love your Instagram because I find it so inspirational, especially when you're responding to people's comments like the trolls and stuff like that. Like, I feel like that just gives us that extra motivation and push that we all need when we're dealing with something like this because people can be so ignorant. And to put yourself out there, especially since high school you've been doing this, I think that's pretty commendable. And it also gives people that motivation like, well, she can do it. I can definitely do it, you know? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think sometimes I get comments from responding to those comments of people being like, well, is it appropriate to respond to the trolls? Is that really making a positive impact by giving them a platform of 
the comments that they give. And I always think, well, one, there's not one way to deal with having those comments. You're allowed to deal with them however you want to, whether it's responding or not responding. And I feel like I do a mix. I, depending on what it is, sometimes I block, delete. Uh, but like you said, sometimes I take the time to respond. And usually I do so in a way that's like humorous. So we can like all laugh at it together or in a way that's educational. And I use those moments for educational purposes. So I appreciate that you like it because I think people have lots of, you know, opinions on what's the right way to deal with comments like that. And I think there isn't one right way to do it. And you just got to do what feels best. And for me, what feels best is sometimes responding back in a way that can help other people laugh about it or in a way that can educate because I think the purpose driven behind what all we do is those ignorant comments. Like that's why we do all this awareness work because there's so many people out there who like lack empathy or understanding. Um, and so I feel like if we don't point it out at all, then we're kind of doing a disservice. And you're right, like sometimes it's empowering also to be able to just respond to those things. So, yeah. No, absolutely. Because I think that actually leads into what I wanted to talk about in terms of mental well-being, because anybody who has alopecia knows that this is such a it's an emotional roller coaster. We have absolutely no control over our hair loss. It's just it just is. And how we deal with it really it really depends on our support, our community and that sort of thing. So I wanted to ask you as a psychotherapist, can you tell our listeners about how alopecia can impact someone's mental well-being and a sense of self? Because as you said, like dealing with these internet trolls can be so taxing and we do what we do to bring awareness and spread education, you know? Yeah. Whether they're internet or real life trolls. Exactly. <laughs> I think we experience it all when you have any type of physical difference. And that certainly, I think, contributes to the the well-being part of why it's so scary. Because I think we know as a society how much hair loss is shamed and stigmatized. And I think that is a lot of the fear behind it happening, of knowing that those things are could occur by losing our hair, of being shamed and stigmatized by random strangers on the internet or on the street. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the impact of hair loss, losing your hair on your well-being is like the full extent um, from like depression, poor body image, losing sense of self or identity, like not having any recognition of what you're seeing in the mirror that you saw for likely many, many years um, and having to deal with that. Um, so it truly mm -hmm. is like a, a full spectrum of impact that really ranges from relationships, um, sense of self, identity, really the whole like biopsychosocial spectrum of impact on well-being occurs from hair loss. And I don't think a lot of people recognize the depth of, of how the impact of hair loss really happens, um, which is why I do what I do. <laughs> well said. I love that. Because it, it's so, I don't know, like I feel like it's so difficult because a lot of people that I've spoken to feel so isolated, you know, and a lot of people like myself was never a social media person. And it was only when I created my Instagram account, I was like, what? There's a whole alopecia community out there. You guys actually exist. And, you know, when I see the way people show up in the space of alopecia, some people wear wigs, some people don't. And it's like, it's so cool to see because we're so diverse. So there's no right or wrong way how we show up in this space. We're just all here to support each other. Do you know what I mean? You know, absolutely. And I think that's why I'm always talking about and why it's important in my own business to offer 
options and to push that options is the most important thing because when the impact of hair loss is so wide and so great and it impacts all areas of life um Mm -hmm. we need to have as many options as possible to be able to overcome that and it never looks one way and i think that's often a misconception that like acceptance looks like having to rock your hair in whatever way it is patchy bald whatever and being happy with that and there's a big misconception I think of what acceptance is um which is a lot of what the initial work I do with some of my clients is just helping them understand like that acceptance is actually being able to feel the full range of emotions just without judging or shaming yourself for it Mm -hmm. acceptance does not mean positivity 24 7 or that you can't wear a wig or that you can't wear a hat that is that none of that is involved in acceptance it's really the navigation of like what works best for you, which I think was like what you're saying. It's so cool on Instagram to see people of all different, you know, making all different choices of like what feels most authentic to them, whether it's wigs, only wigs sometimes, wigs never, uh, going through treatment, um, steroid injections, the new sort of pills that have come out. I think that is what's so important to show because we can't reach acceptance if we don't have all the options, I think like, you know, it's so, or we don't know what, what acceptance really is. And we also don't know how many options exist. Um, And thankfully I think the options are growing. So I think it's easier for people to navigate this process of like acceptance and authenticity without feeling like they have to choose just one path to get there. Um, But yeah, I think some of that, some of the benefit of social media is, is being able to see more of what's out there and that we don't just have to choose one path because often all we hear is from the dermatologist like here's the treatment and that's it we don't get any community support options no mental health support options no wig options like they don't give you anything else other than treatment so it's so hard to figure out like what actually is my journey of acceptance on this journey because they're only giving me one one view of it and and that's not not all so absolutely that is one of the biggest benefits of social media well said (laughs) On the wavelength of acceptance and, and authenticity, what does being true to you mean? Or I should say, how do you stay true to Allison? Yeah, I mean, it's such a a big question, but an important question. I feel like it obviously looks different for everyone, but I think it also goes to like what I was talking about with like what acceptance really means. And acceptance is being able to like have the full spectrum of emotions without like judging or shaming yourself for it. And I think that's what being true to myself also is like allowing myself to have days that are up and down um, and giving myself the space to feel all that uh, with, you know, appropriately, like giving myself also the tools to manage it. Uh, But yeah, living to my true self is, is allowing bad days to happen, but knowing that like my self-worth is the same um, and knowing that like, I get to define beauty in a way that like aligns with my own values, not the way that like society defines it. Um, which is hard some days when you feel like your values don't align with how society views things. But I think that is part of the process of like feeling like you're living to your truth. A lot of that is like rooted in values and um and some of that is a lot of the work I do with people as well, because it can be so confusing to navigate your own values in a world where beauty standards is like, no, you have to view it this way. Um, and so, you know, in some ways, like living true to yourself can be so hard. Um, and I think sometimes it takes lots of years to like know what that even means. Um, but yeah, at this stage of my life, uh, living true to myself means, you know, 
having a definition of beauty that like aligns with my own values and allowing like the ups and downs to occur without without it taking away from knowing what my self-worth is um yeah I hope that answered the question (laughs) I love that yeah that was so beautiful Crystal Lauren how about you ladies what does being true to yourself mean to you So I think for me, being true to myself actually really aligns with a lot of what Allison said was just allowing myself the grace to realize that my imperfections are actually perfect. Like I'm designed exactly the way I'm supposed to be. Um, So whether I show up in a space with or without hair, that doesn't take away from the fact of that I'm still crystal. And I think what really is one of my biggest pet peeves is the way society and sometimes people that I know try to inadvertently challenge how I should look in this alopecia realm. Yes, I promote alopecia awareness on my Instagram and that sort of thing, but I do wear wigs and that's okay. But I don't wear wigs all the time. So does that mean that I'm not being authentic to the alopecia community? And that's a lot of questions that I get sometimes. And it's really annoying because I find that the questions usually come from people with a full head of hair. So for me, it's like there's no one way to show up in this. And whatever works for you works for you. Like some people like broccoli, other people like carrots, like some people like to wear makeup. Some people don't. Some people like to show up bald. Some people want to wear a baseball hat, a wig, a headscarf. It's like whatever. Like there's no right or wrong way to deal with alopecia in this space. And I feel like it's so important that we understand that it's okay to feel the feelings. For me, like sometimes I still wake up in the morning and I, I've had a dream that I've had hair. And then I'm like so excited because I'm going to put my hair in a bun or I'm going to do some cornrows or something. And then I get into the mirror to brush my teeth and I'm like, oh, damn, it was a lie. <laughs> You know what I mean? And that is such a a mind twist, you know, like it it really plays on my emotions. And then sometimes that puts me in a little bit of funk for the day, you know, because it's like there I have those moments sometimes where I like I do wish I had hair, but I, I don't I love my alopecia like it it's a part of who I am now. But I think sometimes we forget that sometimes we don't always have to like it, but we've learned to accept it and how we choose to accept it is our prerogative. I think something we talk a lot about in the like therapy world is dialectics, like seemingly opposite truths existing at the same time. I feel like with alopecia, we feel that a lot. Like I love mm-hmm. my alopecia, but I also hate it some days. And like both of those things coexist at the same time and they're both true. And trying to navigate all of that at the same time, I feel like is is the hardest part. But I think sometimes just like letting go and just allowing both truths to exist, even if they feel opposite, is just like what we need. And I think that's, like what you're describing, Crystal, like just allowing both to exist and knowing that it doesn't change you. Like all those truths make you who you, who you are and who cares if the person on the internet or the street is like, well, you can only have it one way. Like, no, that's not being a human is so much more complex than that. Exactly. Um, but it's mind boggling and like hard, it's certainly still hard to deal with, especially in the beginning of an alopecia journey to like grapple with those things existing at the same time is so difficult. That's so true. That's so well put. And I think it's been discussed a little bit today already, but just there isn't one way and we can we can accept that. And I would say for all of us that the way that we stay true to ourselves and practice authenticity, that's ever evolving because we grow and change as people, right? And I think I personally try to practice like the self-acceptance and authenticity as if it's a muscle that I'm trying to strengthen because practice makes progress and and the more 
more reps we do, the more comfortable we feel. And I guess that's sort of where I'm learning that I, I can be more authentic and more accepting of myself is is show up and, and decide, okay, this is, this is who I am today. And you know what, like life is a hoot and kind of like accepting that I, I like what I like. I, I love a good to-do list and I love splashing around in a pool and these things aren't all that radical, but it's the little things that make you, you and the things that spark joy and the things that make you feel energized. Those are the things that you want to follow. And so even independent of alopecia, I feel like there's work that we can do kind of continual day in, day out practice just to realize that there isn't one way to, to live your life. I love that you said it was like a muscle because all these things like are really skills, like acceptance is a skill, confidence is a skill. And the good thing about all those things is like, that means we can all have it. Like, there's not like, you know, you don't need hair to be confident because confidence and hair are not like, you know, not the same thing. You can have both because you're able to practice both acceptance and confidence being those things. And so, you know, I think sometimes we get stuck of like, well, how can I be confident or have acceptance without hair? Like those things don't make sense. Um, but like you're saying, like it, you can do reps to work on your confidence or your acceptance muscle and not that it's super simple. I always say we're not super easy. I, th- I always say things sound simple. But that doesn't mean that they're easy. And I think that is a lot of confidence and acceptance is like on paper. Sure. That's like, cool. Sounds very simple in practice, very hard, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen. And, and yeah, I think sometimes that's the biggest reframe we can do for ourselves is knowing that it is a skill and it is something we can practice. And if we give ourselves time and compassion, like over time, it will evolve and you will start feeling confident in your ability to get through like the uncertainty and the emotions without it feeling like it impacts your self-esteem or your self-worth. Cause I think in the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Like uh, navigating the bad days, but knowing that the bad days don't define anything about you as a person. So yeah, that's a great, a great point. Yeah, absolutely. I think that speaks really right to the heart of it too. And for me, you know, I feel like being true to me means embracing my fear. Because nine times out of 10, when I'm deciding what to do in a situation, it's the answer that scares me that usually feels the most true to me. Because, you know, with alopecia, I feel like you're constantly pushing yourself um, out of your comfort zone. And I think when you live with alopecia, society is constantly daring you to push those boundaries. And that's a scary thing to have to do in order to just be you. But to me, it's always been worth it because that's how I get to live most openly, freely, and authentically. Yeah, I guess it's a lot of things. I think sometimes it can be hard to tell, like just being a human is hard in general and navigating like living in a beauty standard world, if that's something not that your values don't align with, but like everything else is pushing you in that way. All the things we see are pushing us that way. So it can be, I think, really difficult. I think the thing that like I stay most grounded in that tries to navigate me through what's true to myself and what isn't is that though, is, is values. Um, and I was like, values are ever changing. So I think it's always a good idea to like check in with yourself, like what, what your values are like at this current moment in life and then continuously check in with it. Because I think that helps be a guiding factor of what feels like it's true to us and what isn't. Not again, not that it makes it easy to do that because I think even even that can still be complex in a beauty standard world. <laughs> but I think that is like the main guiding factor for me. It's just like 
does this feel aligned with my values? And, and if it is, then, it, then, then I'm being true to myself. I love that. And speaking of being true to yourself and, you know, how do you know you're not being true to yourself? I think that kind of ties in a little bit with boundaries because I feel like when you're being true to yourself, you're also being very aware of your boundaries of what you'll tolerate and what you won't tolerate. And I know some of our listeners out there may have a difficult time with boundaries because, you know, you may run into people who, people who are really well-intended, but they still end up making, for example, insensitive comments. They may not understand our highs and our lows and just may assume that all we have to do is just get over it. It's just hair. You're still beautiful. Yada, yada, yada. You know how it goes. So I'm just wondering, how would you suggest our listeners respond to people who are well-intended, but sometimes don't have those social cues? Right. And like you said, a lot of it has to do with boundaries. And so mm-hmm. something I'm saying is like checking in with your capacity to respond first. Like, you yeah, after I know that can be hard to like not respond sometimes, but um, if you feel like it's going to be more of a detriment to yourself in that moment to respond or it's going to take drain you too much. We, we don't have to. And I, I mean, I, that took me years to do. I it happened like in this city when I was living in New York City um, a couple years ago someone asked a question on the street and I just like said no and kept walking but it took me years to like build up to that and like notice when I had the capacity to answer and when I didn't so I think that's like kind of like step one and sometimes if I'm having like a lower day like I will do that ask myself that question before I go to like the grocery store like what is my capacity to handle someone coming up to me and making a comment or asking a question um and if the answer is no I don't have the capacity that's when I like prep myself to like say either you know you can Google alopecia, <laughs> like that will give you the answers. Or you know, now that I have my social media stuff, I give them my handle and be like, I'm busy. <laughs> um, and I think those are all very reasonable answers. Like I think sometimes we get stuck on like, we have to educate or give them some long explanation when someone asks, we don't always have to do that. Uh, but if I check in with myself and I'm like, I do have the capacity to handle this happening today, then that's when I tend to lean my response more on education if they're asking like respectfully, right? Um, and so I always, my easiest go-to response is always like, I have something called alopecia. It just means like my hair can't grow. Um, and that sometimes people have follow-up questions or they're still confused. Like, are you sick? Are you not sick? Sometimes mm-hmm. I'd be like, I have, it means my hair can't grow. I'm still perfectly healthy. Um, or sometimes like it's similar to my body having an allergy to hair is a response that I, I think helps people grasp that it's not a sickness. But yeah, I think it's harder to respond when you have like the rude people or the ones that are less well-intentioned. <laughs> and we're just human beings navigating this all, right? Like I've certainly had my share, my fair share of sassy responses too, because like if you're going to be rude to me, like sometimes my ability to like stay calm in that moment is like not there because we're humans. Um, but I think it really just all depends like on, on what you're feeling that day, what you're comfortable sharing. But yeah, to me, it really depends on like how they ask if they're well-intentioned. I usually lean on like an educational, like, especially if, if they lead in with like a cancer sort of thing, like, you know, I'm so sorry that happened to you or someone in your family, but like, I don't, I don't, I have alopecia. It just means my hair doesn't grow. Um, but I'm perfectly healthy. Cause I know we get a lot of that too, of like, people being very vulnerable with us without even knowing what that we're perfectly healthy. Um, and that can be daunting to respond to because you're like, you want to be kind, 
but you also want them to know that you're you're fine and that the assumption is wrong. So yeah, it's so complex to figure out how to answer. But I think number one is just checking in with like how comfortable you are responding. And mm-hmm. if you are comfortable responding, you know, leaning on a, a quick educational sentence is usually my go-to. And as much as I can, I try to remain calm <laughs> in the situations <laughs> when they're not as pleasant. Um but yeah, it's it's hard. It's so hard. And I feel like sometimes, and Sarah and Lauren, please chime in because I'm pretty sure you guys have experienced this. Do you guys not have like explanation fatigue? Because sometimes mm-hmm. I just want to go out and just be bald and free and not even have to entertain a question or have to, okay, I see that person staring at me. Do I wave? Do I smile? Or do, do I just keep it moving? Like sometimes I feel like it's just so annoying. And I know people might be like, well, you know, you shouldn't be annoyed because, you know, people just don't know. And it's like, well, you know, when people change their hair color, I don't stare like I don't make assumptions. But I feel like because we're bald, we 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 stand out. Right. And we're so vulnerable because you see all of us, you know, but I'm just curious, do any of you guys feel this explanation fatigue or feel like sometimes you just don't want to you don't want to have the conversation at all? Like. Yeah, definitely. I feel that way for sure. It's it's exhausting. It can be really exhausting because, you know, like Allison was saying, even just thinking about the possibility of someone coming up to you and making comments about your alopecia or you, your visible difference, that already produces a lot of anxiety about in, inside of you and that you're working to, you know, just live with. And then when it actually happens, it's like, oh, all these fears that I've been thinking about are coming to pass right now. And my brain is freezing and I'm not sure what to say. But at, then at the same time, you're expected to have a response, even if you don't. <laughs> so that's that's part of why it's such a big energy zap is because all these feelings that have been bottling up inside of you uh, surrounding, you know, being anxious about someone approaching you about it come to pass. And um, then you're expected in the moment to just have an answer. And sometimes we don't. And I don't care whether you've had alopecia for one day or 30 years. Like whenever someone approaches you, there is always that little part inside of you that kind of cringes when it happens, whether it's well-intentioned or someone just being rude and uneducated. It's going to happen either way. So yeah, I think that's part of why it's so exhausting is because these are already things that we think about before they actually happen. And then when they do happen, it's like it all comes rushing in at once. And you have to find a way to to just deal with it. I agree. I think as an introvert, I find it really uncomfortable. I'm sure regardless of how we define ourselves in that space, kind of more outgoing, more outspoken, it's just it's anxiety provoking to field questions and to kind of manage stares. And so especially as somebody that is not very outspoken, it's it's daunting for me. And as has been mentioned as well, it's it's tiring. It's kind of an energy zapper, but it also it, it is what it is. And I think Sarah really beautifully put it that the challenge to be leaning into your fear because it might be intimidating to respond to a question or even if it's like a short elevator pitch that you have prepared that provides a little bit of education on alopecia those feelings of 
you know, fear and kind of insecurity as much as they may bubble up. It's an opportunity to, to like flex your confidence muscle and, and sort of give your brain the reassurance that you can do this and, and you can speak your truth. And sometimes speaking your truth is, is going on. I don't know. Sometimes I get on a soapbox about alopecia and sometimes I don't. So Alison, the strategy that you kind of recommended having the self-awareness to check in with your boundary and and then decide how you're going to proceed. I think that's an excellent one and and hopefully resonates with our listeners too. Yeah, I think planning ahead is like or coping ahead too is like the biggest thing with like these comments because we don't obviously we they're, they're not, like you said they're energy zappers whether they're well intentioned or not. Um and I think the best way for us to protect our energy is 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 a bit planning ahead with that. Cause like, it's not, you know, outside of reality. It's like, it's, I feel like it's a coin toss, like a 50, 50 shot, like someone's going to make a comment or not. So it's like very reasonable to prepare ahead of time, especially, uh, you know, when we're going out with such a visible difference. Um, and yeah, that's why, you know, that's tends to be my go-to because if like, my boundary for the day is like, I can't deal with this and I can't deal with it. Like if that's going to throw me over for the edge today, like I already have no energy, like then that's just not, I don't have the time today, but you're right. Like some days, like, like you said, like I'll have beyond my alopecia soapbox and ready to educate and whatever, whatever it may be. But yeah, I think my biggest pet peeve is when people online tell me that I, if they're well, like I'm not allowed to respond in a way that's educational because it was well-intentioned. So I should just understand that, you know, it came from a good place. And so I should just uh, be nicer. And I'm like, since when is like education or me being annoyed? Like I'm still allowed to be annoyed, even if it was a well-intentioned comment. And my annoyance is not necessarily at the person for um, assuming something, especially if they're saying it in a nice way. My annoyance is at the wider society that there's not enough education to know that there's not that there's more than one reason for hair loss. Like that's where the, uh, I think the feelings come up mostly, not that this person stopped me. I mean, if they're a rude person, then yeah, that person's gonna piss me off. But if they're a well-intentioned person, like I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at like the, the wider issue that there's not enough education about their, that what alopecia is, but really what any, that there's more than hair loss than just chemo, because I think that's what everyone assumes, um, mm-hmm. especially if it's, if it's a woman that they see without hair. Um, and so, you know, it really bothers me when people are like, it was a well-intentioned comment. Like your, your feelings are essentially invalid. You're not allowed to be upset by that. Uh, and if you, if you are upset by it, then just buy a wig is what usually the trolls are saying. And I'm like, no, that defeats the purpose because I, we need to be seen for education to happen. Um, and like, that's not going to happen if, if, I don't have the opportunity to educate from these comments. They'll never know. Um, and so wearing a wig is not going to solve that problem either. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if any of you guys feel the same way or if that bothers you too. If you have people tell you that like, you know, you know, we're not allowed to be annoyed if it came from a good place. Cause I think that's not true either. Like we're allowed to be annoyed. <laughs> um, even if it's an, a well-intentioned comment, it doesn't mean it's not going to bother us or zap our energy. And I think allowing ourselves to feel those emotions um, it's important. Um, so yeah, that's certainly one of my biggest pet peeves of the trolls of online. <laughs> no, I, I a hundred percent totally agree with you. You're someone being well-intentioned 
does not invalidate your feelings, nor does it mean that they should not also be educated. If anything, I'm going to flip that on its head and say that that's more reason to educate someone because you're feeling annoyed, because you have felt like someone's not seeing you properly or treating you like you should be treated. That is more reason to educate someone, not less in any circumstance, whether the person's well-intentioned or not. So I think that, um, yeah, no matter what I think, education really is the key. It's the key to empowerment and it's also the key to, I don't know, letting the Baldi movement thrive. Like we want to be able to be seen and also feel comfortable being seen, right? And that's not going to happen if people are continuing to make the same mistakes over and over because we're not educating them. So while none of us with alopecia have a responsibility to educate someone else, it's important to consider what your actions may do by educating someone, right? You want to have a good impact on the community and, you know, hopefully correct someone from and and stop them from making the same comments twice. I think overall that's the goal. And so if you have the power to educate someone, I would encourage you to educate only if you feel comfortable though, right? Like like we were saying, it's up to you. If you're not feeling it, if you're not feeling good that day, then don't push yourself to do that. But you should never feel invalidated for what someone else has said or what someone else has said to make you feel a certain way. If we're not honest about the impact those comments have on us, then no one's ever going to adjust. Because if they're being well-intentioned, then they should be open to hearing that, like, actually, this is a wrong assumption and, like, it makes us uncomfortable when we receive that. And so, you know, that's my view. If there's someone who's well-intentioned, they should be open to, like, well, maybe next time you see another bald person, that won't be your automatic assumption because there's actually other reasons for hair loss. So yeah, I, I, I agree with all, all of that. That's a really good point. So I'm going to come in with another uh, hard-hitting question or maybe another challenging one. Um, what are three words that you use to describe yourself? Hmm. Three words only. <laughs> I know, it's a, it's a big ask. I know. Okay. Well, unique, I feel like is yes. uh, bold, probably second. Um, and third, I would say uh, empathic. I feel like, I mean, obviously being a therapist, I would hope I would describe myself in that way. But also I think anyone who's been through any sort of visible difference or any difference really in general, I think we get this sort of superpower of empathy. And I think that's one of the great silver linings of alopecia is is that we get, I think we have a greater understanding of other types of experience because we've experienced alopecia and that just makes us more empathic humans. So yeah, unique, bold, and empathic. I believe it. I think those are amazing words to really capture your essence. Thank you. (laughs) So Allison, I have another question for you. You've never wanted to wear a wig, right? Even when you lost all your hair originally? I feel like most people turn to a wig when they lose their hair and, you know, that's everyone's choice, right? But I was just wondering if you have a reason and you would like to share that reason uh, for why you didn't go that path originally. 
Yeah, I never, you know, people often ask me like why I've never worn a wig and I never have a direct answer, but I've been able to like dwindle it down to a few things that I think combined is what what kind of happened. So like I said, I lost my hair at a young age and I was lucky to have a very supportive family and a very supportive school system to the point of like I gave speeches like as soon as I was completely bald, I was like giving speeches at my school and I was in a big school, like hundreds of kids, my elementary school. And so I had a very supportive teacher who encouraged me to do that. And I think this, it gave me like the element of like, oh, what I have is special. Like my story has value. I get to do these things. I get to speak at my school assembly in front of all the kids and have this special treatment with my teacher and I get to go make my speech with her. And so I think that as a young kid was a very valuable experience. Um, I also was a very opinionated, stubborn and like a bit of a fashionista. Like my parents gave me like full choice over what I wore and everything. And I wore, I look back on some of those photos and I had like some crazy looking outfits. So I don't know, (laughs) but my parents are always like, go ahead, wear whatever you want. And so I think those things combined with the fact that my family also never made alopecia a big deal. I never remember it being a big deal other than like maybe in the doctor's office. That was the only difference. But like at home, like it was never something that was like discussed as like an issue or a problem. Like it was just like, is what it is. So I think all those factors combined of like having early on be shown that like my story had value, like within my school and being able to speak about it, having parents who like honored my voice and what I just wanted to do and just being a bit stubborn. I just, I think that what is what contributed to it all and just kind of stuck with me through adulthood. So, you know, I always had the choice, like my parents gave me all the options. Like we tried treatment stuff, but whenever I said no more to any treatments, it was no more. Same with wigs. I had the option, but if I said no, then it was no. And, and that just ended up sticking. (laughs) And I, I've said no ever since it just has. And I think the longer you go that way, the longer it just feels more authentic to myself to be this way. I know I've talked about like having an identity crisis when I wore brows in one of my uh, videos recently. And I would feel the same way with a wig to probably a much larger extent. I think I would have a major identity crisis now if I, if I wore a wig. Um, yeah, I think it was just an interesting combination uh, of all of those factors together. But yeah, it's interesting because I love eyeliner and I love lashes, but anything else, anything else to me is is like, that just doesn't feel like me. But I think that just goes to show like being true to you looks different for everyone. And that's like kind of the cool part of it all. Yeah. And to each their own, right? Like that's the main message we're trying to get across today is that in your alopecia journey, there's no need to compare yourself to anyone else. And Everyone has their own timelines and their own way of owning it. So just be true to you and that's how you'll thrive. And that sounds like exactly what you did. I also just want to like say how cool it was that you had that supportive community. You know, your teachers and your family were so supportive of you that it actually showed you what you could do with your alopecia, right? Like I think a lot of times we focus on, oh, what we've lost because of alopecia, but Um, you know, your teacher was able to inspire you to get up and make speeches in front of your school. And I think that's so cool because that probably helped you see, oh, this is something that's kind of special to me and that this is only something that I can do and how I can change the world because of it. So I think that's super awesome. I really, really love that. Yeah. Big shout out to my elementary school teacher. Back then she was Miss Jacobson. Now she's 
married Miss Cottle, but she'll always be Miss Jacobson <laughs> to me. She, she was the like, I think, foundation setter of, I mean, my family too, but like in terms of like seeing value in my story, because um, the, the assembly was called Locks of Love and it happened at our school every year, but it came, became a big thing where people from other schools would come and donate their hair to this assembly. Um, and she ran that assembly. And as soon as she knew me as someone in the school who had alopecia, she immediately was like, would you want to speak at this? Um, and it was kind of scary at first, but at the end of the day, I was like, well, that that's special and fun. And I get the special time with the teacher and all the things that a little kid would think at that point. Um, so I, I did it um, for, and I did it for a few years after that as well. But yeah, I can't take all the credit for the positivity in it because a lot of it came from the adults in my life at that time, which I feel beyond lucky for because I know like it was such a, a rare almost situation like how many schools have like an assembly like that that already happens and like already have this like random opportunity to talk about it so yeah it, I feel very fortunate in in that aspect just listening to you it sounds like you've really honed in on how to take your power back because it's almost like you didn't allow alopecia to control you you decided to change the narrative and when you said that you never like your family and even yourself never made alopecia a big deal. And I feel like sometimes when we're out in public or when we're talking to people, it's like they feed off of our emotions as well. So it's almost like if we're just pretty casual and chill about it, then they will follow our lead. And I love the fact that you said that, you know, your story has value because to me, I find it extremely inspirational. And when you talked about the fact that you the wigs just didn't make you feel like your authentic self. And I did see your um your Instagram post with you with the brows. Like I thought you were gonna have a panic attack. It was hilarious. <laughs> because I was like, when you put those on, I was like, that is not Allie. Take those off. Makes- like, yeah, like it just looks so foreign. I was like, absolutely not. No, ma'am. No, no, no. And it's not a bad thing. It's just, right. you know who you are now. And I love that. So how would you respond to someone who says, well, wouldn't it just be easier if you wore a wig? Wouldn't it just be easier if you just covered up your bald? Then you wouldn't have all these people staring at you. You wouldn't have all of these insensitive comments and trolls and et cetera, et cetera. Like, mm-hmm. how would They're you so respond? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would not, for some people, certainly. And I think that's amazing that wigs do make it easier for some people. For someone mm-hmm. like me, as as evidenced by the eyebrow video, even though some people told me <laughs> my reaction was like fake, uh, they're just trolls. Like they don't really know my full story and like how like scary that actually was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be that scary times a hundred if I wore a wig. And I think about the idea of wearing a wig, and it gives me so much anxiety. <laughs> More anxiety, and it's like almost picking the less of the worse with like anxiety levels. Like it obviously gives me anxiety to go out bald and I have to learn how to manage that. And I, and I have, it doesn't mean it's completely gone, but I have less anxiety going out bald than I would if I was wearing a wig. <laughs> and so that, that, I mean, for me, that answers the question of like, is it easier? No, like one, the expense, first of all, is really expensive. So if it's going to give you immense anxiety to wear a wig, um, then the price is not worth it. Um, so like, there's, there's so many reasons that I could like go off of, but the biggest one is I just would not feel comfortable and I would feel very anxious. And I know people who wear wigs also have similar anxieties. Like, will people notice I'm wearing a wig? What if someone comments about it? But I think I would have all that like times 10. And I feel like, you know, that's how we navigate, like what feels best for us. Like if you have less anxiety wearing a wig and you feel more authentic doing that versus going out bald, that probably 
is an indicator for you. Like at this stage of your life, that is what feels best for you. For me, it's just never been that way. I've always had less anxiety going out like this, just my authentic not covering it all self. And not that that's a perfect thing either. Cause like we've talked about, like we get comments and things that are not comfortable, but in, in talking about like values too, like something that's really important for me is, is spreading awareness and having people know that people look different than them. And they're never going to know if they don't see people different than them. So even within the midst of anxiety of going out without a wig, I still get some comfort in the fact that like, okay, they've at least been exposed to this now. Like maybe the next time they see it, they won't be as shocked or they won't stare as much or they won't point. And so I think that is why it's easier for me to do it this way. Because not only is it you know more comfortable for me, but I also know that it aligns with my values and what I feel like is my purpose in the world. But again, that's not to like knock wigs. I always like to say like, I still think they're amazing. And I think it's great that people find comfort and authenticity with wigs too. But for me, it just would not be easier at all. It would, it would make my life probably a lot harder and scarier, which is also why I think I like commend people who wear wigs because my perspective is like, that seems so much more difficult to me. And I think that's the beauty in it too, that like not all of us have the same feelings and not all of us have the same way of going about it. And I think that's the cool part and why options are also important. Uh, but yeah, it just, it, there's so many reasons why it would not be easier for me, but that, <laughs> that sums it up. <laughs> I think as you were talking about awareness it just made me wonder too, what can we all do to help spread awareness? Just keeping in mind that some of us aren't social media influencers or will really make a big wave in that aspect. So I guess in essence, you know, how do we spread awareness and stay true to ourselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, certainly social, social media is not the end all be all of awareness spreading. I think the most almost impactful conversations happen within our own circles of friends and family. And those conversations are just as, as important as the ones that happen online or by bigger influencers or wherever it may be. Um, and so I think just by talking with your family and friends about what alopecia is and how they can support people with it and that, you know, this is one of the many reasons hair loss can happen and that if you ever see someone with, with hair loss, to know that they should not assume what it is, I think that is just as good of a way to spread awareness than social media. And so, you know, just connect with your small circles and, and have them be aware of what it is. And maybe then from your small circle, like if they see someone else with hair loss, or maybe they're going to talk to their own friends about it too, like it can still spread from there as well. Um, and I think that that's, you know, a great thing. I know for my friends and family, like half the stuff they know is just for me talking to them face to face and nothing about social media or before I even did social media, like they just used those conversations to talk to their friends. Or I've had friends who were teachers who then like talked about it in their classrooms or just anything like that can really help to spread awareness. So yeah, definitely does not have to be on social media because absolutely not everyone is comfortable sharing in that way. That's really excellent advice. Yeah. And some people might be held back by the thought that, oh, you know, telling one person won't make much of a difference. So what's the point? But there always is a point, you know, one person is better than none. And that's how it starts. That person may tell a friend who may tell another friend who may tell another, right? And that's how we get our message out there. You don't need to be a public figure or a social media influencer or anything like that in order to make a difference. I think um, us as individuals have a lot of power in our hands. And so never be afraid to use that if you're feeling comfortable enough to educate someone. I say go for it. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Like, I think it's skewed, like, to think, like, these days in the social media influencer world, like, if you don't have a platform, then, like, your voice isn't, like, loud enough. But that's, like, not true at all. I think just, like, when I, you know, would speak at my school or in my classroom, that alone, like, people years later would be like, oh, I remember when you did that. And that had nothing to do with, like, the internet or any of those things. And so it surely does make an impact, even within your own, your own circles. Like, surely I guarantee like that person eventually will be someone you talk to will connect to someone else who somehow will have some relation to something with alopecia because I think a lot more people will experience hair loss than than we know and absolutely you're making an impact even if you if you feel like you haven't shared it wide enough there's no there's no amount that you have to share even if just one person it is certainly enough that's so beautifully put Allison and I feel like that's just the perfect note to to wrap up on because I think that's all that's all from us today. It just it ends off the show on such a positive note and your time and your wisdom and your energy is so appreciated. You're such a bright light and you're doing so much incredible work in the alopecia community and beyond. So we just wanted to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, we also love to end the show with a little quote. And uh, this one comes from Brene Brown and it's that, Courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. Oh, I love that one because Brene Brown is also a social worker like me. And too, she's just incredible. Um, mm-hmm. duh, I love, that's a great quote. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today, Allison. We had such a great time with you. And we're just so grateful that you're out there. You're spreading awareness. You're educating you're providing mental health supports for those of us with alopecia. So just keep being you because you are awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And Allison, do you just want to tell our listeners quickly where they can find you? Sure. Um, well, first, thank you guys for having me. Um, I loved chatting with you guys. Uh, and so you can find me on Instagram a few places. Allison underscore man is my main account. One L and Allison, two N's and man. Um, and then aid by Ali is my other account. A-I-D-B-Y-A-L-I. Um, and my website is also aidbyally.com. Um, if you're looking for any sort of resources, whether it's peer support, uh, journals, journals specifically for hair loss, professional support, uh, there is a range of things on my website if you're just looking for any any level of support so don't hesitate to reach out and thank you guys again and then on that note thank you so much guys for tuning in thank you everyone so nice to have you Thanks for listening to this episode of Alopecia's Audacity, proudly hosted by Canaf. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, please rate us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might listen to your podcasts. Keep up with us by following our Instagram and Facebook and subscribing to our YouTube channel at Alopecia's Audacity. We welcome any questions and comments, which can be sent to alopeciasaudacity at canaf.org. You can also sign up for our mailing list at www.canaf.org. Stay tuned for the next episode released at the end of the month.